Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast. I am Andy Zoltzman, and today we look ahead to today and look back to yesterday when it rained a lot. Then there was not much cricket, but the cricket that there was was in keeping with the series in general, um, action-packed and with moments of controversy or issues of controversy uh, to discuss it with me. A man who spent uh, none of yesterday watching it, I think, because he was busy <laughs> playing basketball of his own, producer Chris. Um, I mean, let's get it out of the way. You, I mean, pretty much the first thing you messaged in terms of what we're going to talk about on today's show was your six yesterday. So let's get it out of the way. Andy, me hitting a six is probably a one in two years occurrence. Oh, one in two. At, at best, at best. <laughs> and, um, yep, medium pace comes in and flicked off the hip, down to square leg. It's still going. Enough time for me to salute it on its way. Carried on. Right. Uh, 32 runs out once. Oh, you can't argue with that, can you? Yeah. Honestly, I am buzzing off an innings that would be a mere footnote in most games' histories. (laughs) Well, that is the joy of being shit at cricket, uh, that we can both think, you know, our moments of success resonate that much more deeply than if you're always doing well. Uh, A a six for me is, I think, a once in two decades occurrence. So, um, yeah, keep it on the ground. Um, Okay, no, no, never. Andy, have you looked out the window yet? Tell me, tell me what the cloud cover's like. The cloud cover looks not too bad here in, in central Leeds. But, it, yeah, it's a bit hard to tell. I mean, no, no one seemed that, that concerned about the uh, the weather when we left the ground yesterday. Um, and uh, But then yesterday, the forecast hadn't said it was going to basically rain <laughs> for most of the day. So we finally got on at it was about 4.45, played for four minutes, then went off again. <laughs> then came back at... Um, 15 minutes after that at which point England in 4 minutes under 2 hours as I measured it bowled 20 overs at 10 overs and 2 balls per hour um, which was so far below what you're supposed to bowl it's supposed to be 15 an hour but Mm. it was you know, strategically advantageous for England, and they managed to bowl Australia out and only have five overs to bat at the end. As it turned out, it might have been better for them to have more overs because they were scoring quite fast and looking, certainly Zach Crawley, looking very confident. But uh, I don't know how this is going to affect the series in terms of the crowds, Chris, because as we've discussed on this show, uh, deliberate slow play uh, is uh, covered by the unfair play law, and the English cricket crowds have proved themselves guardians of cricketing morality, morality <laughs> uh, booing the Australians mercilessly um, for having done something that w- wasn't actually uh, particularly wrong or against the laws of the game. So, uh, will they now turn on England? Um, uh, possibly not, but who knows? Who knows? It depends, I guess, if morality uh, or uh, national support is more important, and I guess history will be the judge of that. I mean, knowing England crowds, they are more likely to cheer rain or boo <laughs> rain than they are their own team. Uh, so, and I've I've seen that myself in the past. Um, so, so we've got we've got a chase yes. at Headingley. This this is this is the good stuff, isn't it? Chases at Headingley are the most exciting things that happen in cricket. <laughs> um, what, what what do we know about that? 
it's not a massive target that England are after, but yet it's big enough to be a bit scary. It's big enough historically to be a bit scary, but not in the context of what England have done in the last year or recent years at Headingley. So chasing 251 to win, they're 27 for naught, they need another 224. Uh, since the S&M era of English cricket, the Stokes and McCullum era began, in fourth innings, this is the 10th fourth innings they've had, and they're averaging 55 runs per wicket. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean they could necessarily chase 550, but it does, you know, they've had numerous successful chases in which they've chased down big targets quite easily in the end. Now, this is a different opposition and all pitches are different, so that's not to say they will do it, but it, there's a certain element they have a hive confidence now and, and believe in, even at Lords, having got close to a, a bigger chase, that's, you know, they know what they can do. They bat a bit deeper, got, you know, actually a very experienced um, middle and lower order in this game. Um, Headingley has hosted five chases of 250 or more, five successful uh, fourth innings chases in tests. Only the MCG has hosted more, uh, and that is the oldest test ground in the world. Uh, the SCG is the only other ground that's had more than three successful chases of 250 or more. And those two are the most used test grounds. Yeah. Um, have hosted, I think, more than twice the number of games that, that Headingley, possibly around about three times. I, I could have checked that, but you don't need <laughs> all the stats, do you? You can ballpark some of them. Um, uh, so it has been, uh, and three of those have been in the last three games. England 296 for three against New Zealand last year. The famous Ben Stokesian. 362 for nine against Australia four years ago. And the West Indies chased 322 for five to beat England after Joe Root declared in 2017. So the last three fourth innings uh, at Headingley have combined for 980 runs for 17 wickets. So the stats suggest this should be a relatively easy chase, but it's the Ashes. Australia has a very good bowling attack. Pat Cummins bowled two pretty ropey overs yesterday, 17 off his first two overs, only once in his uh, phenomenal career as he conceded 17 from his first, uh, as many as 17 from his first two overs of an innings. But I, I do think that England, you know, they, they will clearly believe that they should do this because they've done it a lot recently. Um, and uh, yeah, that it, I think if they get a good start today, they might win quite easily. That said, you know, as I keep saying, stats tell you what has happened and what might happen, maybe even what should happen based on precedent, but not what will happen. And things are always happening that we don't expect should happen and that uh, logically and statistically shouldn't happen. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't, right? Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We'll come back to England's chase in a moment, Andy, but um, I'd love to talk a little bit about who Stuart Broad, who... Warner aside, he's unspectacularly having a really good series. Yes, he's having, uh, well, a really good period in his career. Uh, he bowled uh, he bowled three overs at the start yesterday, and he bowled uh, two balls to Alex Carey that were the most beautiful, uh, almost unplayable balls that sort of started on his off stump. A seam was in this lovely position, and they sort of curved away, went past the edge. But then Carey was out at the other end, and they brought Mark Wood on to try and blast away the tail. Then Broad came back and picked up two quick wickets at the end with some more great balls. He's been so consistent for England. You know, he's, uh, I think, 36 now. Or in, um, And you think, as we've seen with Anderson, this is you know ages that people aren't supposed to be still getting better at fast bowling. Uh, with Broad, you get the feeling that he's just relentlessly almost curious about the art of bowling and seeking ways to improve. He's taken 72 wickets in his last 15 tests. That is the most productive 15 tests of his career, which began in 2007 in terms of number of wickets taken. Uh, his average for those is the 25. Uh, he's had you know 15 test sequences when he's averaged less, but England have played on quite a lot of pretty difficult pitches in that time. Um, it's, uh, he's taken at least three wickets in all of those 15 tests. And it's the second sequence of 15 three-wicket tests he's had in his career, which is something no other bowler has ever done. Two separate 15 uh, wicket, uh, uh, two separate runs of 15 tests with three or more wickets. But this this is a lovely stat, I thought. He's taken five wickets in each of his last seven tests. That was against South Africa at the end of last summer at the Oval. Two tests in New Zealand and the four tests this summer, the Ireland match and three against Australia. No England bowler has ever had seven consecutive tests with five or more wickets. The previous record was six and only one uh, instance since the First World War. That was Alec Bedser, uh, post-war uh, medium pacer. And then you've got to go back to SF Barnes, Frank Foster and Bobby Peel in the pre-First uh, World War era. So he has amazing uh, consistency and this, this, this unique niche stat. Uh, Chris, also a word for Chris Wokes. Uh, three wickets in both innings, his best test against Australia. He's always struggled against Australia, both at, at home, where he's generally been very good for England. Took his 100th wicket at home. Uh, and of all the bowlers who've taken 100 wickets in England in the last 60 years, uh, of which there are 16, 15 uh, England bowlers, Wokes has the best average of those. Only Shane Warne has a better average uh, of the bowlers who have 100 mm. wickets in England in the last uh, in the last 60 years. And uh, it could have been so much worse for Australia if not for the middle order as well, where ev everyone else seemed to to struggle. Uh, yes, well, we saw Mitchell Marsh uh, with one of the great bolt from the blue centuries in the first innings. He also looked really good in this in the second innings. Came out yesterday, hit two majestic fours, and then rather surprisingly got got slightly surprised by some bounce from Wokes and was trying to leave the ball and it just brushed his well, his gloves or his bat went through to the keeper. So uh, he had yeah, he was shaping well. Travis Head. Uh, who sort of ground out 39 in the first inning, started again cautiously, seemed to have reined in his attacking instincts against England's short ball ploy, um, and then cut loose with the tail, made uh, 77 brilliant innings that gave Australia a chance. They were almost 
out of the game when it looked like England would only be chasing sort of 200. Um, and he was he's sort of the baz the baseball pioneer when England went to Australia at the start of the last uh, the start of the last Ashes. Travis Head had a career average around about 39, pretty decent, but a strike rate just under 50 per hundred balls, sort of three runs per over. Since then. Uh, he's averaging mid fifties and scoring at eighty per hundred balls, almost five and over. And that's even with being a little more cautious in his last few innings. So he almost set the blueprint, um, not sort of for the way England play, but the, the 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 sense that you can transform the kind of cricketer you are and be very successful with it. Um, so yeah, he's been uh, uh, he was been very good in this match, Mitchell Marsh as well. But outside of that, Australia's one to four and seven to eleven have been appalling in this game. Uh, they've scored between them 195 runs in 18 innings, 16 dismissals, averaged 12 runs per uh, per dismissal between them. Now I've looked at Australia's 1 to 4 and 7 to 11 combined in Ashes cricket uh, or Anglo-Australiac cricket. And since the First World War in 264 previous games, they'd only had one worse match wow. by their top 4 and bottom five combined, and that was the uh, Nottingham Test in 2015, when Stuart Broad took eight for 15 in the first innings. Um, so, yeah, they've been uh, remarkably unproductive, and that's uh, you know testament to the fact that they're uh, aside from Kawaja, their top four all looks pretty uncertain. Um, uh, in I mean, Smith had that 100, but nothing else apart from that in six innings. We talked about his second inning stats uh, yesterday. Labashain seemed to have lost that concentration. Warner. Obviously, you know he's as beaten by Broad by the time he gets to the stumps, it seems. And the tail, which looked a little weak on paper before the series, won them the game at yeah. uh, Edgebaston. Uh, but um, since then, has sort of performed more like we expected before the series. So this has been a huge problem for Australia and bodes well for England for the rest of the series if they can complete uh, this fourth innings chase. Um, uh, just a quick mention for saying, I guess in the bigger picture, isn't that? Um significant in the game but uh one of the biggest cheers of the day yesterday was for Moeen Ali's fielding <laughs> yes well Moeen Ali is one of the I think most popular cricketers just because I think people appreciate a number of things about him one when he's batting he's beautiful to watch even if it doesn't last very long yeah. um uh, two he's got 200 wickets and he came in the side as an occasional county spinner who really has objectively overachieved massively. He doesn't have a great average, but he's been a high-value bowler for England. Mm. Um, hugely underrated as a cricketer uh, because you know his overall stats don't look that impressive. His batting average in the high 20s, his bowling average in the high 30s. But I think that those kind of players are really, really valuable. Also, there's this sense with Moeen that he's been so selfless and done whatever has been asked of him that mm. you know he could that all the alternative careers that a player with his all-round abilities uh, could have had he, he, you know, uh, when England went to India in 2016-17, he got two hundreds in the top order, and then they bumped him back down to number eight for the next summer. He's sort of had to fit in. He's got out numerous times earlier in his career, batting with the tail. Um, so, you know, he's not, in a way, he's not fulfilled his ability, and in other ways, he's exceeded his uh, his his ability or his, his potential ability and potential was kind of impossible to actually um, quantify. Um, but also, the, you know, the way he plays, he's a lovely guy. People. Uh, sort of love the the tone of his play, and there was this moment yesterday. He was fielding at long leg, and uh, the ball was clipped down to long leg, and he ran around the boundary and 
saved it with his feet and then a kind of slide tackle, almost like a, a football centre forward sliding in at the back mm. post and not one in, uh, like a like Gary Lineker in his in his prime, and um, it got such a huge, huge cheer. And um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been. I mean, his, his comeback. He's, again, he's he's had sort of more impact on the series than his numbers suggest. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Crawley earlier on. Yeah, him and Duckett are at the crease. Duckett was scoring runs, but also chance chancy. Um, uh, what, what final thoughts then on on the, the action we're going to get today? We're going to get a full day's play, but we don't need a full day's play because England have it wrapped up by tea. Is that right? <laughs> well, I mean, it depends if England's luck with the conditions continues. I mean, home advantage clearly is influential in cricket. You get to sort of make the pitches that you want. Now in this series, I don't think they particularly suited either side in the first two tests, and arguably supporting Australia more than England in this third test. It's been a they kind of had the bounce that you're more, you more associate with Australian pitches. The coins have suited England three tosses in a row. Stokes has won this series. Mm. Australia won four out of five four years ago. Um, uh, but anyway, whatever coins we're using uh, this series are clearly <laughs> working for England. Um, uh, and for England, home advantage, they get to play on more familiar golf courses, which is a key part of this team's preparation. <laughs> but they've managed, they've had such advantage with the weather. It seems to have been like cloudy at Lords and here at Headingley, where Australia are batted. Um, uh, aside from that, that little micro passage at Edgebaston when England had to bat uh, under lights for about 20 minutes and lost a couple of wickets. But they have they have mastered the weather in this uh, these last two tests. They didn't take advantage of it at Lords. They've been uh, they've they've they, they've played the weather much better in Leeds today. If, you know if it's if it's cloudy, generally it's it's harder for the for the batting. The ball swings mm. more. Uh, but I still expect England to um, uh, to win because you say they. The way they play with this team, you think a 250 chase in the old days of cricket would take quite a long, uh, quite a long time. There's and mm. there's almost more chance, more time for it to go wrong. But if England, particularly if they get a good start, um, then they all you know, knock the top of it quite quickly, like Verenda Sehwag used to do in chases, uh, chases for India. But Zach Crawley, numerically having the kind of series that you'd expect him to have, averaging mid twenties, but he's exuding a kind of authority at the wicket that we've not really seen from him before and I don't know if you can put a numerical value on aura but he's come out at the start of innings he's particularly first innings in the first, all, th- all three first tests he's not had a successful second innings yet but um, you know generally he, he looks great and then he gets out whereas uh, quite often in his career he's looked great for the odd shot and looked like he's going to get out any minute and then he's got out the next minute uh, but so maybe this will be the day Chris they've invested over 35 tests in Zach Crawley at some yeah. point it has to yeah. uh, has to sort of start paying off um, thank you for listening to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzgast we'll be back tomorrow uh, to tell you what happened on day four at Headingley which might be the day that Australia clinches the Ashes or that England <laughs> comes back or it might rain um, but we will tell you uh, exactly, exclusively no other media uh, outlet is covering this series uh, what happens uh, tomorrow thanks once again to producer Chris who will be uh, basking in the glow of his sensational performance uh, on the cricket field uh, uh, yesterday um, and uh, we will be uh, back with you tomorrow uh, until then may the cricket be with you Amen to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. 
Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.